0: It's time for Rapid Fire Friday on the Overreaction Sports Network with your host, Joe Miller. What is going on? Welcome, welcome everybody into Rapid Fire Friday on the Overreaction Buffalo podcast. I am Joe Miller. I'm the voice of the Overreaction Buffalo podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. It is so good to have you. Do me a favor, whatever platform you are listening on, please like, please subscribe. I have three weekly shows for you, Mafia Monday, Wake Up Wednesday, and Rapid Fire Friday. And I am so excited to have joining me for a second time today, uh, Joe Marino from the Locked on uh, Bills podcast, as well as from the Draft Network. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, A lot of stuff going going on with the Buffalo Bills right now. We have officially entered the offseason. All the offseason pressers are over. Locker cleanout has happened. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of question marks. We're going to get into, get into a lot of that with Joe here in just a second. It's super good to have you. Uh, and as I always say, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, at the gym with your AirPods in, or on the drive to work, let me just say one more time, welcome. Super good. But joining me right now is, uh, as I said, the host of the Locked on Bills podcast, uh, a, a member, an employee, Joe, owner of the Draft Network. How do you, <laughs> how, president, CEO,
1: like, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the, the term is co-founder, co-founder uh, yeah, of the Draft Network. Yeah, co-founder, but also I I consider myself an employee. Uh,
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah all of those things we'll just wrap them into a nice little money bowl uh bow rather and uh but it's good to have you joe joe as you know you've done this before this is the rapid fire friday segment i'm going to fire 10 questions at you that you have not seen uh this is completely unscripted are you ready
1: i am but i have to say one thing okay you know every time you do the whole whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee in the gym with your AirPods on or whatever, whatever you say. Every time I listen to your podcast, I speak to you. I say, Joe, I'm doing this. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, no, Joe, I have, uh, I'm sitting at my desk, uh, watching film or I'm uh, cutting my grass. That's, you know, I haven't cut my grass in years, but if I were to be cutting my grass, uh, whatever, whatever I'm doing, I always say back to you audibly, no, Joe, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. That's amazing. Yeah. I think
0: you were the very first person to ever respond to me. Uh, you sent me an Instagram picture, I think, or responded to me on you you, you responded to me someplace in a, in a DM, I, I believe it was on Instagram and you were walking your daughter.
1: yeah, yes, you're, you're like exactly currently,
0: currently walking my daughter.
1: man, those are the days. Here we go. here we go <laughs> Those my my daughter my daughter would be willing to like take a walk around the neighborhood and be like, I could walk for an hour, ninety minutes with her. Now it's like no, she's three. Um, she wants to push me in the stroller. It just doesn't, you know. It's <laughs> a different, different ball game.
0: <laughs> so I've got two girls, as we all know, because we've talked about it on this show. Sixteen and thirteen, and my youngest, uh, Addison, when she was little, when she got out was walking age and got out of the stroller. We lived in Columbus, Ohio. We lived in this. There was a, just a it was a big giant circle that you could walk around as many times. It was a half mile loop around the neighborhood. We would we would get we would get all the stuff out let's go for a walk as a family and mckenna was fine very subdued and like yeah let's go for a walk addison gone she would just i i remember to this day i have visions in my head of seeing her her hair in the breeze oh god little dress and the bottoms of her crocs her pink crocs and she's just running away from us like and not trying to get away She just darted and ran everywhere she went which then turned into every time she plays sports now she's the fastest kid on the oh, field like all right literally it's just something that she's always done but yeah we used to have to chase her like in the neighborhood it's like i mean you let her go for a while right because it's a long straight shot but then when it gets yeah. to the point where it's like oh then it's like <laughs> go get her so then right. have to go get her but uh yeah and uh we always find a way to i, I was trying to get it I, I was trying to keep this short and like you know to the point but yes yeah, so this is what this is what you and i do when we get together but uh are you ready are I'm you ready, ready? Are you ready for me to uh, to ask you some potentially difficult questions about the Bills' upcoming off season?
1: Yeah, as long as I reserve the right to change my mind, you
0: can absolutely change your mind, and I am not going to ask for a season prediction. No, thank year, you, because I know you. you hate doing that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, so here we go. Rapid fire Friday overreaction Buffalo podcast. Joe Miller, Joe Marino uh joe first question are josh allen and the buffalo bills destined to be the late 80s early 90s dolphins with dan marino and by that i mean one of the best quarterbacks to play the game but could never get past the likes of jim kelly and john elway and in this case pat mahomes joe burrow
1: i thought you were gonna when you started that i thought you were gonna say he's gonna be philip rivers right in the no that is not a
0: good comp to me that is (laughs) not the comp like do you agree with that that he like rivers would not be the comp
1: no, I'm just, certainly not the comp, but like that type of trajectory where really good team every year, a lot of production just doesn't get it done in the playoffs, doesn't even get to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, but Philip, to me, that was so much that was LaDainian Tomlinson. Like Philip, to me, doesn't he never struck me as Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Dan Marino. So he you never, feel
1: like me invoking Philip Rivers is disrespectful to Josh?
0: Yes. Okay. Very much so. Like I don't see longevity was there, stats were there. I don't see Philip Rivers as a Hall of Famer. He's gonna make it. Ooh, okay. Maybe maybe not on his first ballot. Maybe not on his second. He's gonna get there. But I don't. I don't feel like. I also don't feel like Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. I mean, right? <laughs> so,
1: right. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I think it's a fear of mine. Yeah, I do. I think that's a fear of mine. Um. But am I gonna sit here and predict that that's true? No, because I think Josh Allen has the makeup of a Super Bowl champion. And maybe maybe Dan Marino did too, Um, but no, I don't. I've seen, I've seen too much from Josh Allen and his like just what type of dude he is. To Mm. I fully believe that he can get this done. Yeah. So I do fear it, but I don't. I don't predict it.
0: Yeah. To me, the biggest similarities to the situation scenarios, history repeats itself when you look at those three guys: Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Pat Mahomes, Jim Kelly, John Elway, Dan Marino, the, the simul- the scary similarity between those two situations is the teams around the players, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a very big, oh, that's, that's, strange strangely similar like when you look at Jim Kelly and the team he had and I'm taking taking anything away from Jim Kelly when you look at John Elway and the teams that he had around him and then you look at who Dan had around him he never had a running back right he never had a defense It just uh he had you know Mark Duper Mark Clayton and just chucked the ball all over the football field yeah, it's just to me, it's just scary. And I don't like the Philip Rivers thing, but I, to me, this was the first place my mind went was like, oh, is he going to be Dan Marino to Jim Kelly and John Elway? But yeah, so I'm glad that you uh, have that fear, but don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lean on you, right? Okay. I'm let My emotions lean on you. So second one, McDermott said the best judge of who you are as a team is in your last playoff game or just your last game in general where does that put you with who this team is right now?
1: Well, I, on one hand, I do agree with that sentiment. I think you can learn a lot from that last game. Um, But I do think that this year might be a little bit different in that the adversity that the team faced all season long contributed to them not having their best stuff for that right, last game. Right. And I don't, I don't know that the bills are a team that would regularly beat the Bengals, but I don't think it's, as big of a gap as it feels like coming out of that game. Uh, if that makes sense, I, I, they just didn't have it. And you mm-hmm. heard multiple players that they ran out of gas. I don't, I don't really want to lean into that too much, but I think McDermott said it best is like, I acknowledge that I, but I, I don't want to discount it, but I don't want to use it as an excuse. I think there were some really unique contributing factors here. You know, the early season buy, what they went through down the stretch scheduling oddities, even like the the Bengals week, was that a buy no that was an emotionally draining week for everybody dude like i think there was some contributing factors here and probably the biggest one is that they weren't playing their best football at the right time mm-hmm. there's no question about it but i feel like this year of of all the years it's probably the most appropriate to put the least amount of stock in the last game
0: yeah it's it's it's, it's odd to me because a lot of conversation has been is being had around the emotional runway the emotional fuse right like the it was the fuse just out on the emotion stuff and i've even chimed back with the entire team just watched patrick mahomes get beat right get injured not get beat get injured in uh the playoff game the night before against the jaguars and you just i i can't imagine that they weren't furiously tweeting each other oh my gosh oh my gosh like there's an expectation for me that like we got to win one game if we win tomorrow we're going to the super bowl because i don't expect. I don't expect Pat Mahomes to play. Everybody's like, oh, he's walking around normal without a walking boot. I'm like, I watched that dude throw the football off his heel for an entire quarter, quarter and a half. I don't think he's going to be okay. If he does play, he's going to be severely limited as a player. I expect the Bengals or even would have expected the Bills to very much beat them and advance to the Super Bowl. The emotion piece for me, I feel like there was was some charge you could have taken into that game. Um, But at the same time, this game to me, just landed so much on coaching. And when you look at, and it's going to lead into my next question when you look at just this season as a whole, they just seemed wildly unprepared at times, not ready to play, made a lot of mistakes in the playoff game against the Bengals. They had a, a timeout call because they had 12 men on the field on defense, and then they had another 12 men on defense penalty. Like there's just a lot of mental errors, in my opinion, uh just from this season from coaching and stuff like that. So, that's the biggest concern I have. Coming when you when when you snapshot your last game is who you are to me. So much of it was coaching. Yes, no.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree that the Bills got out coached in that game. I think they also got just physically dominated up front. Yeah, too. For sure. For sure. So it, for as much as it is coaching, and and I and I've said this too. Like I feel like the Bills' protection schemes failed just as much as their players failed in terms of missing blocks. Right. Which, yes, that's coaching as well. Um, but, yeah, I think they got beat up too, man. Like, yeah. it's both.
0: Yeah. They got Big Boyd. Big boy in their own house. Yeah. Right. I uh, I was talking. So, Mookie Hawkins, uh, next question, third question. Mookie Hawkins was uh, obviously in Brandon Bean's presser. He's in all the pressers. Mookie Hawkins from Wufu Sports 1080. Uh, and he asked specifically Brandon Bean about the creativity of the offense and the play design, to which Brandon Bean dodged that question and did not answer it. What were your feelings, thoughts, just, and I've got a follow-up to this that will be question number four. What were your thoughts and feelings of the creativity and the play design probably pre-Packers second half to the back half of the season? Like, if if you split it, that's not halves, but if you split the season into two, when you look at what we saw early from this team to what we saw late from this team, what was your feeling just about creativity, play design, stuff like that?
1: I don't know if I lean into creativity as much as I do, just a lack of rhythm and a lack of consistency with where the answers are built in for Josh Allen, right? Where mm-hmm. I think it was very much um, leaning into a vertical passing game, which is low percentage that introduces a level of variance, but just kind of getting away from that stuff early on, which was mixing in the quick passing game with the vertical stuff. Right? It's disappointing because the running game really kind of came alive down the stretch and it's like, well, just blend it all together, right? and that didn't happen. It felt like they wanted to really kind of chase big plays and, and get out of rhythm. So yeah. uh, I thought more than anything it was it was balance, and I don't mean pass-run splits. I mean balance in terms of how they attacked defenses with everything that they had at their disposal because they did have a quick passing game. They did have a run game. They right. did have a vertical passing game. And when you can put maximum stress on a defense like that because of your quarterback but also the different ways that you can attack a defense – I, I hated seeing them not tap into all of it and have a more balanced approach. Um, and that's what bothered me as much as anything in terms of the offense down the stretch.
0: Yeah, when you, when you look at that, um, in question number four would be, is that a Dorsey problem? Or is that a Josh problem? And before you answer, I know that they, they sit in these meetings and I know that they plan and when they game plan and when they're scripting and when they're developing stuff. When you know, Josh, hey, when you see this defensive look, right? When you see this, when you see that, you know, this is what you want to do. And I know that when you see cover zero, you throw it deep for the most part, especially if Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis is single covered on the outside. But there's a point at 13 attempts. Well, it was which game was it? Where they had 13? It was the Dolphins game, right? In the playoffs? Yeah. 13. Thirteen deep ball attempts. There's there's a point where the probabilities just don't line up and don't yeah. match anymore, and you're beating yourself. Is this the Dable thing where people felt like Dable was raining Josh in too much versus Dorsey saying no, eat brother, throw it, do whatever you want to do. Is it is this a Josh thing? Is this a Dorsey thing? Like where's the the miss?
1: Well, I'm sure, like you said, there are those meetings that happen, and they say, if you get this look, take it. Right? And I'm sure. Right. I'm sure Josh right. did. I'm sure, th- from a coaching perspective, I think he probably did was what, what he was asked to do. But I think, like you said, there you, you get frustrated with those being low percentage plays, regardless if you have, you know, Randy Moss and and Dante Culpepper as your right. quarterback right. and receiver. Right? Like uh, those are low percentage plays, and I think there were times where. Um, for as much as you like the aggressive nature, it was more appropriate to take the profit, to take what the defense gives you. I think that's what the best offenses do. They take what the defense gives you and, and every defense gives you something. And I feel like yeah. that that's my biggest issue. And so I think I think there's blame to go to Josh and Ken Dorsey for for that. You know, I don't I don't know that if I would say any one more than the other, other than, hey, take what they give you, stay Mm -hmm. on schedule. You're really good. You don't have to make this hard by leaning into low percentage plays.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. That leads me into uh, the next question. And ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Joe Marino on rapid fire Friday, Joe. Thank you again, just for being a part of, of, of just this episode and answering some of these questions for me, because I, I love your insight because you're not a former NFL player, but you've got, um, a unique experience and a, a unique outlook in as much as obviously you see all, all these players coming in. So you're very familiar with them. And then you do have connections into organizations and you, you're you at the senior bowl and you're at all these places, the combine and whatnot. So you just bring a different perspective that I very much appreciate. So thank you again, just for being a part of this show. Um, when you talk probabilities <clears throat> and you talk defensive scheme, and it's funny to me because I the question I want to ask I didn't connect to what we're talking about right now, but it seems like when you're talking about winning football, I feel like you would want to work the probabilities to your favor. So the first part, which is the second part, if that makes sense and it doesn't, the, the part that we just connected, it feels like the Bills... In the back half of the season, with the deep shots and some other things, not taking what the defense would give them, we're working against the probability. A deep pass is a pro- is is just a probability; It has a low probability of being completed. So, if that's what you're relying on, if you've got that deep shot and you and you and you've got that opportunity, it seems like you're potentially beating yourselves. The question I wanted to ask was about the Sean McDermott Leslie Frazier four two, nickel four two, which that scheme is dependent upon relying upon hey you know what we're going to line up we've got good players probably better players than you have but we're going to make you go down the field in 12 or 14 plays every single drive and we're going to make you like have long sustained drives in order to beat us which when you're playing the jets when you're playing the bears when you're playing the browns that game plan for the most part can work all the time when you're playing joe burrow when you're playing patrick mahomes and some of these other quarterbacks that are now coming up they're up for that challenge. And it feels like this idea of I just don't want to get beat on a big play, on a low probability play against those those better teams. It almost feels like you're working against the probability. Did, did, are you tracking with me on this?
1: Yeah, I absolutely am. And that that's what the Bills on defense want to invite you to string together 10, 11, 12 plays to score. Right. Um, which is unlikely too, right? It's unlikely that you're going to execute that many times in a row and not get behind the sticks, uh, and score. Just like it's unlikely that you will, you know, consistently hit vertical shots and and make them pay. And right. and I think my biggest exception that I take with the Bills' philosophy on defense is that they don't take anything away. Mm-hmm. They they say okay. Can you do it? Can you string together 10, 11, 12 plays? And Mike White can't and Jacoby Brissett can't, but Patrick Mahomes can and Joe Burrow can right? you know? And so I think when they play against these upper echelon quarterbacks, they have to be a little bit more willing to get out of their comfort zone and force them to play the game differently than they want to. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And I think that's where they have to do a better job against these better offenses, because we we all recognize the statistical success that the Bills have every season during the regular season on defense. But then when it comes down to their last four playoff exits, second half against Houston, two against Mahomes, one against Burrow, you've had defensive collapses in every single one of those games. And I think it comes from them not being willing enough to just focus in on taking something away, take away that best thing that they do and force them to beat you another way, even if it does leave you more prone to maybe some shots down the field.
0: Follow-up question, because I'm allowed to ask them not part of the original 10. Is it time uh, to either move on from Leslie Frazier, or is it time to bring in somebody with a fresh set of eyes to work with him?
1: The interesting about... The interesting thing about Leslie Frazier is that his contract expires after this season. So a decision has to be made, right? Right like, now. Right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They either have to re sign him, and that's partly Leslie Frazier agreeing to come back, where, you know, if he has aspirations to be a head coach, maybe it would be best for him to go to a team that um, is going to give him credit for the defense, right? You could look at the Bills and say, well, Sean McDermott's there. For sure. You know, and so maybe if Leslie wants to kind of get out from underneath that, especially when, you know, I think we can all agree that both Tremaine and Jordan Poyer won't be back. At least one's probably going to be gone. And so you're kind of having some turnover here with the defensive personnel. It's kind of a, it's somewhat of a ripe opportunity. So we'll we'll see if Leslie wants to come back and we'll see if the bills want him back. I do uh, find myself leaning into the idea that Leslie Frazier has run his course in Buffalo and, and, and kind of a willingness to consider something else. And I I think something else is probably promoting Bobby Babich or promoting John Butler to being the defensive coordinator. Um, But at the same time, there's some high profile names out there that the Mm -hmm. bills could go after. And would Sean McDermott be willing to do that? Right. Would he be willing to hire a Vic Fangio? Well, as as soon as I'm dismissive of that, I think, well, Leslie Frazier's kind of a big name, you know, and brought him in. And and Sean said repeatedly, this is Leslie Frazier's defense. So I, I do think that there could be that willingness, but, um, It's all going to be about the answers that the Bills find when they choose to ask themselves the same questions. And yeah. I know that they're probably thinking about it, um, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if there was a new leader of the defense in terms of coaching and coordinating uh, next season, although it's hard to predict if that'll be true.
0: Yeah, you uh, you have also been very open and honest and critical about this defense over the last couple of years about their ability to tackle and their lack uh, of ability to tackle at times in important situations and the Bengals game. Bright spotlight on that situation at all. How easy is it to fix that? How do they? How do they become more disciplined in tackling versus trying to tackle their shoulders, body blow them, like you know what I'm saying? Like how? What 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 the good the teams that tackle good what are they doing that the bills aren't?
1: Well, there's some things. First of all, the bills play a penetration style up the field defense, which makes tackling hard. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I I give some grace to the defensive lineman. That's tough Mm -hmm. uh, to and to be explosive up the field and have to very quickly make a tackle is hard. Tackling is partly about want to, right? You, you have to want to be physical and tackle. And I don't really know that I see the bills defensive players making a lot of business decisions where they don't want to tackle. I think I I could, I could call some people out. I'm not going to do that right now, Uh, but there's some of that, but not enough for you to say, okay, that's a contributing factor. What makes somebody a good tackler. Okay. There's form, there's technique, but Mm -hmm. it's really about angles and getting in good positions to tackle. Right. And I think, some of it is by scheme. I think their scheme invites a lot of missed tackles, but they have to they have to be able to play with better angles to the football and they have to be able to break down and and be willing to to tackle with good technique, which is you know wrapping up, aiming low, bringing your feet through contact. And I think it's it's all of that working together. It's not just one thing. It's all of that that works together. But you have trends now. You have trends that tell you who the best tacklers and who the worst tacklers on your team are. Tremaine Edmonds year over year very good tackler right year over year Matt Milano we love Matt Milano bad tackler right he right. misses a lot of tackles uh, Dane Jackson big time tackle misser Trey White big time tackle misser right there's there's a sample size here Jordan Poyer very good tackler mm-hmm. um, you know so you can look at the data and kind of kind of figure out who's missing your tackles but I think it's it's kind of all of that working together but certainly a frustrating component when you think about how good the Bills defense is for them to concede that much additional yardage for that them to con- sit, to give up those many more third down conversions because they don't make a tackle you know you you start to wonder like man there's a lot of meat left on the bone here
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the uh, Overreaction Buffalo Podcast. My uh, wonderful guest, Joe Marino from the Locked On Bills Podcast, is uh, answering questions that I have. So these are literally questions that I just need answered as we enter the the, the postseason. So I appreciate you. Um, Naheem Hines uh, was they were I believe McDermott and Bean were asked about Naheem Hines, the fact that he had 13 touches. Touches I can't on the season outside of kick returns and punt returns. Um, I don't remember. If it was Bean or if it was McDermott off the top of my head right now, I think it was Bean, was asked just about that. And he laid out there, I would have liked to have seen him yeah. uh have more opportunity in this offense. You know, I, I felt once he got, you know, familiar with the playbook and blah, 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 you know, that that we would have used him more. Now I'm going somewhere with this. We're now living in a world where, right, Christian McCaffrey is traded from the Carolina Panthers to the 49ers. He plays that week. Baker Mayfield is picked up after being waived by the Rams at quarterback starts and wins a football game. I don't believe that we live in a world anymore where if you're worth your salt, right at all, there's not, there's not, we've seen it many times. As much as I isolated those two, cause they're prolific mm-hmm. and highly like high profiled. There's all kinds of opportunities and things where we can see in NFL history where a guy makes a switch comes in the first day, uh, Latavius Murray. Didn't Latavius Murray do that this year? Like they picked him up off the street, put him in the game, and I think the Saints won, right? In Europe, didn't that happen? Yes, yes. So, where do you buy this whole thing of? Well, we were kind of hoping he would learn the playbook, and why was he not? I don't want to yeah. see forced. I don't want to see. I don't want to see a GM Jerry Jones a team, right? You're going to throw the ball to 88, no matter what, no matter who. Cole Beasley said that, right? The ball's going to 88. Whoever's wearing 88, that's where the ball's going. I don't want to get him. I don't want them big boyed. But there's an aspect of like, that's what you're going to feed me? Like,
1: yeah. So, so first of all, I think different urgencies there, right? Um, Right. With McCaffrey, with Baker, with Latavius Murray, where the Bills, the idea of Naheem Hines was really good. Uh, Mm. Top five in receiving yards from a running back since he came into the league. So, you know, he can do it. Yes. Uh, But they still did have James Cook and they did have Devin Singletary, right? So, I, I feel like they'll. The lack of urgency there probably contributes something to it. I don't think it's about Naheem Hines not being able to pick up a playbook and right. uh, onboard him. I think also what he did provide the team as a punt returner and a kick returner probably took away from that a little bit as well, and they were probably satisfied to a degree with it. But um, I think my my frustration isn't as much with Naheem Hines in that situation in general. <clears throat> it's more the effort that the team made going back to the signing of J.D. McKissick or the failed signing of J.D. McKissick to the drafting of James Cook to the trading for Naheem Hines to still not really feature your running backs in the passing game, right? Like you you did a lot here to get this type of a skill set, and yet you still didn't prioritize it in your passing game. And where that becomes more frustrating is when you think about Wanting more on schedule throws and more easy stuff for Josh Allen. You feel like it's right there in front of your face and you're not utilizing it. So whether it's Naheem Hines or James Cook, not getting involved in the passing game or whatever it is, it's it's the journey to get these skill sets. And then the lack of emphasis of those skill sets in your offense is where I get the frustration, because I feel like that could help the team stay on schedule offensively down the stretch in ways that it didn't.
0: Gotcha. I got two more questions for you. Is that good? Hanging in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, in your opinion, uh, who on this roster is what we would call safe? We know that uh, coming into this offseason, there are a lot of free agents, uh, big names, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Boyer, we've already talked about. There's also a lot of guys on this team right now, you know, that might find themselves in a trade situation. Brandon Bean said, we might have to move some guys. You look at Ed Oliver, fifth-year fifth year option was picked up. The Bills are going to pay him $10.7 million, which frankly I feel like is too much money to pay for the production that you're getting from him. Tredavious White, you now have obviously Dane Jackson on this team who started pretty much the whole year. Christian Benford, who's up and coming as a rookie. your Elam, first round pick is Trey White, an opportunity or a potential trade. Uh, when you look at just who is on this team right now, who is quote unquote safe, not named Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, and who do you feel like there's a, a potential opportunity or maybe be looking at a different uniform next year?
1: I, I haven't committed a ton of thought to this yet. Um, but I, but I will. Uh, but I, I think you extend that to Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Dawson Knox, obviously, with his new contract, Greg safe. Rousseau. Safe guys. Yeah, Von Miller, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Micah right. Hyde, Taryn Johnson. Of course, the guys on rookie deals. I don't need to get into Kyer Elam wow. in, in the. but I guess it's probably more interesting to look at who's not safe. Um I would hope Roger Saffold's not safe as as somebody. I don't think they should prioritize bringing him back. Right. I don't, man, look at Trey white. You're, you're obviously not striking while the iron's hot there. Right. I don't think his value is going to be what it could be. I, I, I'd be more interested in seeing if Trey white can go back to being Trey white. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we saw it at times uh, because I think he can be a major asset to your defense. So I'm not super interested there, uh, Gabe Davis interests me. I mean, if Chase Claypool can be traded for a high two, I mean, what, what could Gabriel mm-hmm. Davis get? Uh, the team loves him though, Joe. I mean, you hear right. Brandon Dean talk about him yesterday. Nobody outworks Gabe Davis and anything that he fell short on. I bet you he'll fix it this off. You know what I mean? Like very much defensive of, of Gabe. Uh, so I don't, I don't really anticipate that. Although that will be a player that I'd be very interested in, uh, seeing if what type of market exists for him. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I really see the Bills unloading a lot of talent. I really don't. I think they'll have to cut some players and restructure some players, but I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of, like, we're going to get assets, meaningful assets for a player.
0: Right. It, it, what's funny to me about the Gabe Davis speak is it, it's it's different than the Ken Dorsey going into year two, right? Going into year two, Ken Dorsey will. Or going into yeah. year two, Ken, Ken Dorsey, blah, 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 blah. So which was a pretty positive affirmation that Ken Dorsey, confirmation that Ken Dorsey's coming back the the speak on gabe davis is very similar to brian winters and some of these other guys that they've had lunch pail guys that just weren't very good well he nobody works harder than this guy he comes in prepared blah 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 and then on sunday just but gabe is also entering his last year yeah of his contract so to me there's i'm not saying he is a trade option but i i feel like there's an opportunity here and i got, actually got this from jeremy white yesterday as well from wgr55 who said and he may have said it on the on with you i don't think he did that there's an easy way to fix this wide receiver room that right now isn't super, super solid, which is basically finding a number two to slide in between Stefan Diggs. and a
1: million percent.
0: Whoever three and four is. It's not a, we got to overhaul everything and blow it up. You've got Colby, Be- Bean also said, sorry, I'm off track, I apologize. Bean also said, you know, we're going to have to bring in some low-cost free agents. You've got a guy standing on your doorstep, on your doormat, ringing the ring doorbell, looking in the camera going, hey, me, pick me, pick me, and, and Cole Beasley, you know, who... You know, Buffalo is different than Dallas. Buffalo is way different than Tampa. this is where I want to be if they'll have me get that kid back in the slot, get that dude back in the slot for one more year, find a number two, and all of a sudden that whole wide receiver room changes, right?
1: Yeah. So dude, no no question about it. It's it's just about I like Gabe Davis as my number four receiver. Yeah, I love him there. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I don't like yeah. him as my two. and it's really just, I think his skill set. Is very limited, and I think that limits the offense. So, yes, absolutely, I'm for Cole Beasley back as your slot. Put him down for 105 targets. Diggs gets 130 plus targets. Yeah. Gabe is your four, and then find that too. I mean, maybe that's a your first round draft pick. Maybe it's your second round draft pick. You know, I don't know that the the free agent market of receivers is super intriguing. I, do, do you want to go pay Jacoby Myers $15 million a season? Like, you know, I think that's the kind of the world you're living in with the free agent side of things. So I think you will have to prioritize a high draft pick at receiver, but I think there's going to be guys that can do it. There's a lot of receivers that I like in this draft that I think will make sense for the Bills in the first round or even in the second round or trade back from 27 and get this player in the thirties, you know, the late thirties, I think, you know, with Josh Downs from North Carolina or uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, there's going to be players that make sense to me. So um, that's where I could really see them completely overhauling like very subtly, completely overhauling it because now that's your two Cole Beasley's back in your slot. Davis is your four Oh, by the way, you still have James Cook and Dawson Knox. Yes, yes I get right. excited about that. Yes, and,
0: and Cleo Shakir, right? Right. So brother, yes. Yeah, and that's
1: yeah. to me. That's your. That's the guy where you feel good about not paying Gabe Davis. Right. Like Gabe Davis can go out and have a monster year next year, and I still don't think you can live in a world where, like, if he goes and has a monster year, he's a twenty million dollar a year receiver. Right. No, thank you. Right. Like you, you that this that the economically it just does not make sense for roster construction. So like right now you're looking at a ten million dollar receiver in Gabe Davis, which is still not something I'm comfortable with. You know what I mean? So like I think you have to start hedging yourself. And Khalil Shakir is a big hedge there. I think another rookie wide receiver and another year, Cole Beasley, you feel good about where this receiver course headed.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be very excited just to hear some of the names pop up for you in that late first round, second round wide yeah. receiver room. Uh, something that hit the wire, hit Twitter yesterday was that the the Jets might walk away from Corey Davis. To me, you know, sure, talk about getting a guy on the cheap, right? Corey Davis is a is a potential dude that can slide in at number two that obviously can can play well. Last question for you, and it's uh it's more of a feel good question. So it was announced to the finalists were for Coach of the Year: Nick Sariani, Cal Shannon, and Brian Dable. Doug Peterson and Sean McDermott. Um I know that generally speaking this this award is given to you know the the coach that did the most with the least or yeah. or whatever but when you look at everything and 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 I know we've spent time on this episode talking about not negative things but criticisms and things that have to change and i know that the season didn't end the way that we wanted to end and i know that the mafia we are all up on our feelings about stuff but when you look back at the season and you and i just did an episode on locked on bills talking about our most satisfying wins there's a lot to be thankful for there's a lot to be grateful for it was a good season there was a lot of good plays but when you look at sean mcdermott leading through from the, the shooting in buffalo the kim pagula situation dawson knox's brother the snowstorms, like all of it, like all the way through to Damar Hamlin. Can you paint a picture, a better picture of a dude that deserves this award than Sean McDermott?
1: I can't. Um, and we, you know, at the Draft Network, we we have like 13 staff members that submit ballots for all the awards and we do our own awards. And I gave my number one vote to Sean McDermott. Um, and it, it, first of all, let's be reminded that Coach of the Year, NFL MVP, all these awards. They're regular season awards. So really, right. what happened against the Dolphins and Bengals in the postseason is inconsequential right. to the award. Um, but to to go out there and win 13 games, 13 out of 16 games that you played uh, under the circumstances and the adversity that the Bills faced, like you said, day, day, going back to the Kim Pagula stuff, the – uh, the top shooting, uh, the multiple snowstorms, one that took the lives of 40 people, 40-plus 40 mm-hmm. people in western New York, uh, scheduling erratic issues. I mean, Dane Jackson was the first Bill to leave a, a, the the field in an ambulance this year. You had devastating right. injuries to Von Miller and Mike Hyde. Hyde and, and, and certainly to Josh Allen's care. I, I don't know that there was a better leader this year in the NFL During the regular season, than Sean McDermott. I mean, there's a really, there was a lot of good candidates. Brian Dable's very deserving. Yes. Uh, Nick Siriani's very deserving. Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll. Like, there's a lot of good names, but show me one that led their team through as much as Sean did and still came out with 13 wins to still meet the expectation is uh, why he's my favorite, but I don't know that he'll get it.
0: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been tuned into the uh, Overreaction Buffalo podcast uh, with me, Joe Miller, your host, and my uh, guest today, Joe Marino from on Bills. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Appreciate that, Joe Miller. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Joe Marino Lockdown Bills podcast, daily podcast in the Buffalo Bills, free and available on all platforms. Got another book coming out. Go to buffalobillsbook.com. I wrote a book on the 2022 Buffalo Bills. Nice. So check that out as well. When does that come out? mid-february mid-february i
0: I saw that i saw that tweet and i was like he he did it again he wrote
1: another one what do you think man people think i'm just sitting around over here we're working (laughs) we're working at all times i just know what it takes to write a book and i mean uh, i've learned it's a lot
0: it's it's a lot but i mean it probably helped to write it uh like during the season that it happened
1: probably made it so much easier
0: because everything is kind of right there at your fingertips yep uh any final thoughts before
1: i get you out of here uh, go Bills. Hey, remember, this team won 13 games. 13 it, games. It, there's, I think there's a balancing that we have to find right now between the disappointment and the questions be, and also some perspective on this team won 37 games over the last three years. They've been to the divisional yeah. round the last three years. Josh Allen, he's uh, just finished his age 26 season. He's been to the divisional round three times yes. Uh, before his age 27 season. That didn't happen for Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, or Peyton Manning. They didn't wow. get there until their age 27 season. Josh has been there three times. It'll be all right, guys. It'll be super, all right. Go super, Bills.
0: Super, super special. Thank you for doing this, Joe. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, Joe Marino is probably the best. So he's the best, and he's he's consistent, and you get something every single day. So if you've got that commute to work, uh, to and from to work, uh, look up Joe Marino the Locked On Bills podcast. Um, thanks. Uh, I was going to ask you something else, but I can't remember. What oh, tomorrow. So uh, this show drops on Friday. The we just recorded an episode, Satisfying Wins. When's that going to drop?
1: Friday. We're we're it's oh. the Joe Miller, Joe Marino Friday double dip, man. We're,
0: <laughs> I'm going to link them both on a tweet here. Two 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 shots of double Joe's. So awesome. But uh, I appreciate everybody uh, listening and tuning into this podcast. I appreciate you, Joe. Again, uh, if you liked this content, please like, please subscribe, uh, please make it one of your go to listens. Uh, we'll be here through the entire offseason Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Jump over to Lockdown Bills. Also, like and subscribe. Uh, and get Joe Marino every single day. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. For me, for Joe Marino,
1: go Bills. Go Bills.